0: Turning Points change the course of our lives, whether it's a big decision, overcoming an obstacle or tragedy, or taking a leap of faith. These stories of inspiration and resilience are what Turning Point is all about. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Turning Point. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to speak to our guest today. Jen Harper is the founder of Cheekbone Beauty. It is a line of cosmetics that is made in Canada and it is known for creating high quality and cruelty free beauty products. Cheekbone also focuses on making a difference in the lives of Indigenous youth through donations to organizations that focus on everything from environmental issues to addressing the education gap. Thank you so much for being here today, Jen. Thanks for having me.
1: Excited to talk with you.
0: Uh, I, you know, I, I've been reading uh, so much about, about your story, and I first learned um, about Cheekbone Beauty uh, a couple of years ago, but I didn't know the story uh, behind the brand until recently, um, and I was just so inspired and so excited uh, when you agreed to do this interview. Um, So maybe we can start actually with the the founding of Cheekbone. Um, You founded the company in 2016, um, but you had had the idea for a little while. So do you remember the first time uh, this idea of starting a cosmetics company crossed your mind?
1: Yeah, um, so no background or experience in beauty whatsoever. but had an incredible, what I call like life-changing dream back in 2015. And so in the dream, what I remember most is like the joy that were on these little girls' faces and they were native little girls and they were covered in lip gloss in my dream. So I, I wake up and, uh, I literally grabbed my laptop that night and started writing ideas about, or what now is known as part of our business plan. But I wanted to create lip gloss and initially start a foundation in my grandmother's name, who was a residential school survivor. So what's really funny though, is, you know, you think who has this dream and wakes up and starts a business from that. Um, I think I had been thinking about one, how to leave the job that I was in for a long time. And two, I really wanted, to connect with my Indigenous roots and in my community and, and support that in some way. And I didn't know how or what that looked like until I had that dream. And so remembering the joy on those little girls' faces is really a big part of our mission and vision Vision to this day, which is helping every Indigenous kid on the planet see and feel their value in the world while we craft sustainable color cosmetics. So the the core and, and sort of the why of our business has never changed. I think just a lot of the processes have, and we've developed so much that dream um, not knowing anything about the space has left me um, super naive early on thinking that this was going to be a lot easier than it truly was but uh, we're, we're having a lot of fun while we're doing this and even though it's an incredibly amount of hard work but just such 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 joy every day to come to work and do this job that I'm really, really grateful to have through a pandemic and that I love the the things we get to do and the organizations we get to support.
0: You know, one of the questions I had wanted to ask was, um, when did supporting um, Indigenous communities become a part of the mission? But um, you just answered it there, that it's really been uh, a part of your mission from the beginning. So before um, before you had that dream, um, were you involved at all in any, any advocacy work uh, in, indigenous communities?
1: No, not at all. Um, the, the like the truth be told I was really disconnected from my Indigenous roots. Grew up with my mom here in Saint Catharines, and she's non-Indigenous. My father and 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 my Indigenous side of my family all lives in Northwestern Ontario, um, almost on the border of Manitoba, in a First Nation called Northwest Angle 33, which is about an hour uh, south of Kenora. And so, only having like this mild connection to my dad in my early years. Then, you know, moving to Saint Catharines with my mom when we were when I was about four, he was in Toronto, so I would go back and forth till I was about 12 and around the time 12, 13, my dad decided to move back to, uh, our, our family's reservation and take, um, my brothers that he had with his new, new wife and they went and started their life back there. And, um, so at that time in my life, I now looking back, it was really like this, I felt so abandoned, um, and struggled with abandonment issues my entire life. I know many mixed race children struggle with identity issues. so. So not looking at all like my mom or her side of the family and maybe looking like my dad and his side of that family but not feeling any connection so it really caused so many um, issues in my personal life which led to many, many years of trauma. It led to my um, uh, abuse of alcohol. I struggled with alcoholism probably for like six years. And then in 2014, I got sober and have been sober ever since, but had that dream literally like three months after getting sober. And so building this brand has literally been not only this incredible connection of me figuring out who I am, but it's been like this amazing healing journey. So, uh, you know, read lots of Great books during during those early years. Lots on business, on how to be an entrepreneur, how to build a business. Also, many on um, indigenous culture and history in Canada. I always say that first year, 2015 and 2016, I literally read over a hundred books and learned so much about myself and how to build a business. And then read one book which really stands out to me on our brains, which is. Uh, fascinating that when you have an addiction, um, and there's many different kinds and forms of addictions, you really have to replace that addiction. So I don't have a normal brain, (laughs) which I'm totally fine with, but realize that I, at least I could put all of, um, that, that time and energy into building something beautiful versus, uh, something that was causing a lot of negativity in my life.
0: That is such a fascinating way to kind of reframe, um reframe addiction just in that kind of replacing this this piece of your life that's causing you pain with something that you can actually really really focus on and draw and i guess put your put your passion into and and draw um and draw on that energy to create something rather than to to kind of do something that maybe is destructive to your to your body
1: yeah, exactly. It, it was fascinating to me as I was learning it, and then it made so much sense as well. The book was called, um, uh, oh my goodness, The Power of Habit by Dr. Charles Duhigg, And so he's a neurologist and really realizing our brains are so powerful, even if you don't have severely bad habits like alcoholism, drug addiction shopping addiction whatever maybe it's just a bad habit that you're trying to eliminate it's really just i guess retraining our brains and navigating our environments in order to fix a bad habit to replace it with a better one right so it works on on so many levels but it was just fascinating to finally sit there and understand that it is possible to overcome these things that other at some moments really felt like it wasn't ever possible that i would overcome come that addiction
0: Yeah. Tell me more about that time in your life. You mentioned it was, it was about six years that you were living with, with alcohol addiction. Um, what was that period of time? Like
1: awful, absolutely awful. So when you have something like, I I, I was a mom trying to raise children, battling this, you know, um, Trying to hide it from the public, but you know these are things your family does see and knows that's happening as much as you try and hide it from them, um, and so definitely caused a lot of pain um, and shame, massive amounts of shame. So I'm really open about talking about it now because I I firmly believe that the moment we speak to up uh, to anything that's causing us shame internally it that shame begins to die a little bit because we're becoming really vulnerable and um uh, and sharing it with someone or or uh, a group of people where you get to stand in those words and you're eliminating some of that it takes a long time it really does but um yeah certainly having yeah it was it m- like many stories of addicts it was an awful time period um and you know if if i'm lucky to be here alive you know that at this time i feel so grateful that i was able to um overcome that addiction and and create a life where i feel like i'm actually thriving versus trying to survive
0: i really appreciate what you said there um about sharing your experience because i think that there is so much shame that comes from whether it's, you know, addiction or, or abuse and and in trying to to hide those things. And it all it also in turn makes you feel more alone when you're, when you're dealing with something. And I think there is just so much value in, in sharing those experiences just to let other people know that, that they aren't alone. And, and then to see where you are now to show that, you know, you can come through this and, and you can thrive and, and life can be better on the other side. Um, what do you hear from people when you share this uh, this part of your life with them?
1: Yeah, so it's 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 interesting because you get I get tons of great feedback from people that um, have had this in their family, like these things are, it's so common. Um, I, and I honestly think the more that we talk about it, it'll be easier for people that even have to experience their family member having this problem where if you're living with it, so not only like is my husband, probably he was struggling just as much as I was because he was the one living with me. Right. So I think it's really important that people that have to live with someone who's struggling with an addiction and the person having the addiction, that if they have the space to talk about it, um, you just feel a lot more uh, less alone. Like you said, it's an extreme, like anything like that is extremely, um, Painful And like those feelings of hopelessness are so real from anyone that struggles with mental health issues to any form of uh, these kinds of addictions or anything that you're carrying is, is really painful. And so I think um, just as a society, if we just make these subjects a little bit lighter, um, those loads for the people dealing with them will, will become lighter.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There's so much value in 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 sharing that, and um, and in in kind of yeah, being being able to support each other through some of these these challenges, especially when it's something that you've experienced. Um, I know you mentioned the the book and um, kind of learning how to change change your habits and maybe channel um, channel your energy in different ways. Was that a turning point for you, um, or did that did you read that book after you had um, became um, you were sober?
1: Uh, read the book a couple years prior to getting sober, so it's it's probably like a year and a half. I think it was the summer of 2013 when I read it. And it took me a long time to still navigate that. So aside from reading the book and knowing, um, the power of creating better habits, um, I had to really connect with my higher power, um, you know, and the creator, if you will, and, uh, really, um, You know as much as I I remember early on in my days of addiction attending a lot of AA stuff I no longer use use that method because I have my own um, daily routines that keep me connected and grounded but um, really in in those 12-step programs in all of these forms of addiction talk about this higher power and the importance of believing something bigger than yourself can help you well unfortunately I'm the type of human that for a long time, as much as I believe in a higher power, I was like, well, who's going to help me? No, one's going to help me. I've always had to do everything on my own my whole life. Like, this isn't going to work. And to be perfectly honest, it was like this conversation between me and God one day. And I said, there's no way that you can help me because I'm helpless. Uh, and th- I was certainly proven wrong. It's amazing. I have not had an, a craving for a, a, a any sort of form of alcohol for these last almost seven years that I've been sober and it's there's times where things are happening and you're like the first thing you would have done was turn to that substance that you abuse and and to to fill that void or numb that pain and I'm amazed at, at those times I'm like no I'm just gonna sit in this and I'm gonna feel this pain right now or sadness or anger and and work through that and i i don't know i feel like i'm living the best life ever because everything is so clear finally like nothing ever clouds my judgment my day i you know i don't know for me just waking up and having that you know first fresh start and everything's super clear i i just um really in love with um with life these days and it took a long long time to get here Not that there's not challenges because there's lots, but just overall that knowing that I can handle it. Right.
0: Yes. And, and to be able to now to share some of the, of that pain and to be on the other side of it and, and looking back, um, it must feel really satisfying for you to know that you have been on this journey and put in a lot of work, um, obviously along the way, uh, to end up where you are right now.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting that you said that because sometimes when you do get to overcome something as, as big as a mountain, as, as that felt for me, as alcoholism felt, um, becoming an entrepreneur also has mountain-like obstacles, which I no longer fear. I was able to things that I might've, if I think about 10 years ago, there's no way I, who I'm sitting next to a lab that we've built with our chemist in there. And, and five years ago, I wouldn't even have that was not part of the dream that i had built for the company thinking that that part was possible but here we are doing that right and it's yeah it's pretty amazing when you when you create these uh avenues that don't feel limitless anymore
0: yeah. And that is such a, like the parallel you just drew there between your journey with alcoholism and then your journey as an entrepreneur and the confidence that you would have had from, um, from, uh, from overcoming addiction now being able to overuse that, um, to overcome obstacles as an entrepreneur. Like I, I really love that parallel. It's actually really powerful to think about how transferable those lessons would be.
1: And if you, I've listened to a lot of entrepreneurial stories, um, celebrity stories that, you know, they're, they're technically entrepreneurs as well. And I am amazed at how often this is the case that there was a, 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 a struggle that they have had to overcome um, a very, in some cases, really painful stuff. And it's amazing that it really does give you the confidence to you know, to know that you you, you have the ability to to make uh, big things happen.
0: Yes. And you talked about um, the lab that you that you're sitting next to and just the growth uh, of Cheekbone Beauty. So uh, tell me about your turning point there, because I know we talked about the dream and kind of the initial idea for the company. um, But what was the big turning point for you um, when it came to to the company and and in getting investors and everything? so
1: early on discovering that so being in the food industry uh had that experience and learning that the beauty industry and the food industry were very similar as are now many industries um that there's a lot of like third-party manufacturers or private labelers or white labelers who are making these goods that you can put into packaging, what the differentiating point happens to be is just a brand or a brand name. Um, so I worked for Cisco Food Services for many years. We would get French fries under our Cisco branded label, however they were actually McCain fries coming from McCain who would, would have been our partner at the time. So new learning that and then discovered the beauty industry really works the same way. So found, um, easily found sourcing of products that were being made Um, I wanted it made in Canada at the time so we found someone that is based uh, a third party based right here in uh, the the GTA area so got to work with them and they started creating uh, branded products for us and had really low minimums which as a startup I had no money nobody was investing it and this was just our sort of dipping our toe into the market seeing did anybody want this brand that I envisioned to exist so we did that for about two years and it was proving to be that successful, that there were people interested in this brand and wanted to s- see more of what we were making and doing. And so then I started um, working on the idea of creating our own formulations. And reason the reason for that was realizing that you know, if anyone can just purchase products, like what is going to separate us from what everyone else is doing? Aside from we had that real, you know, that social impact that we were trying to make um, and, and always giving 10% of our profits back to Indigenous organizations that support Indigenous youth, I really wanted to now figure out how we can really um be different in the terms of how we manufacture and make and create products so honing in on that idea of sustainability um, as a sustainable brand we one we're sustaining our community by representation just highlighting our indigenous faces in the beauty space that never existed before and then we wanted to really focus on more environmental sustainability so taking concepts like life cycle thinking uh, so now when we make stuff we think about it from the beginning of harvest um, and how it's harvested how it's sourced um, is are those things ethical um, are these ingredients sustainable meaning will they are, are they bio-based will they biodegrade back into the earth without any impact or waterways right until the end of a life of a product so what is happening not only to those raw ingredients that you're using in the product like when it goes down the drain what ingredients or, or and uh are Impacting systems and making sure we're not using any that do as well and really most importantly is the packaging I mean, they're both equally important, but the packaging is one thing that is a big problem in the beauty space and so just really sitting together as a team and coming up with ways that we can think of creating better packaging so that's what we we do every day is really try to figure out um what can we create invent to package things in and how can we make sure that we're we're really living true to the, that these sustainable missions that we're we're on and um it's a ton of work sustainability is a journey there's no like one perfect solution or endpoint and when it comes to things like packaging there's so many things to consider like in some cases we would always think paper the better option maybe aluminum is the better option because it's forever recyclable we always tend to assume like organic ingredients are the best but in some cases those aren't the most sustainable for our planet they actually require more land for farming and farming in general is very bad for the the earth especially mass production farming so just like there is that that this is a conversation we could probably have for like six hours just on the screen scratching the surface on all of the issues surrounding what it would it takes to make sustainable products and packaging. And um, so that's what we're doing now. And we get to do that in our our own space. We want to take all of the the manufacturing that we used to have outsourced and bring that in in in-house at some point. Um, And so we're just really working on building a strong core team at the moment as we develop more products.
0: Wow, you know the sustainability piece is. I mean, I would say that's one thing the beauty industry is definitely not known for, um, as an industry. Like you mentioned, you know, when it, whether it's packaging or ingredients. Um, so I think that this would obviously be a, a huge differentiator for you, and it's very obvious through your um, through your branding and through um, through all of your website uh, literature and everything that this is at the, really at the core um, of in terms of cheekbones values. How has it been more challenging than you thought it might be to create um, the sustainability and to incorporate it into your business?
1: Yeah. I mean, like most humans, I love that simple solution. Like, oh, okay. use refillable water bottles every day and that will solve a problem which is great it does um but unfortunately when it comes to consumer goods and packaged goods that's not just a simple answer but what's really unique here is it is really hard this is the hardest building the brand that part i will i feel like that was easy i can say that now because that this part is so hard um and that you just we're in this for the long term like this isn't a flash in the pan we're not a business that's just here to pop up and 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 move on and make a couple quick bucks but so realizing that like this is definitely long game totally speaking to my indigenous Anishinaabe roots, like our, 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 um, one of the, an indigenous teaching is, is constantly thinking about how what we do today impacts our next generations. So bringing those teachings into the business and, you know, ultimately that's how we've built the business. Uh, uh the idea of success within our indigenous communities is actually uh, described by how much we give back to community not what we attain and keep for ourselves and so we we're building a brand using all of those ideas and teachings and we i firmly believe that i know that with that um in hand that knowledge and wisdom from our from all of my ancestors and um the work that many indigenous communities still do like there's a you know um there's a research that was done and it says we're 5% of the population, indigenous people, yet we're the ones protecting 80% of the world's biodiversity. And then I asked, you know, you do more like, why is that? Um, and the more I learn about my great grandmother who I lost and great grandmother after that and great grandfathers, it's this concept of a connection to land and nature, like i've not seen within a lot of other cultures and i could be totally wrong because i'm only familiar with western culture which is like the grind right go make money and buy stuff that's where i've this is the area that i've grown up in however when i think of when i visit our family's reservation it's this um like real relationship that my people have with water, with the land, like everything they do is in honor of that. It's almost like, it's like, it's a cousin, a brother, a mother, a sister. Um, and I mean, everyone's heard the term mother earth. Well, they take that really seriously, right? Like, that's not just a saying it's actually how they feel that they're in relationship with all of these things in creation. And so now I get a full understanding of why it's 80% of the world's biodiversity is being protected by indigenous people because they actually love from their hearts these things and want to um, and want to protect it. Um and so as a brand I feel this heavy weight on our shoulders to make sure that we live and breathe those same concepts.
0: And what an example you're setting for other cosmetic companies through that as well. Um and that's a huge number. Wow. 80% of the of the world's biodiversity. I mean, that's that's huge. And I, I, as you know, we know that environmental issues and have become, um, more prominent, you know, we talk about them a lot more now, Um, but to actually hear, um, these actionable items and, and really making that, um, a core value of your company, I think that it's really still pretty revolutionary, especially in the beauty industry. Have you had any like really big wins, um, when it comes to sustainability that, that you're really proud of, or that we're really exciting for the company so
1: just launching the first product which was sustained lipstick to me that was you know i yeah i I was just one day i'm holding the lipstick when we first got it and we launched this last march during the pandemic right and i'm just thinking i can't believe that this started I think it was back in 2018 and then here it is in my hand finally because it took that it takes that long a product development takes a really long time especially beauty and cosmetics or anything that's going to be put on the skin and i know food is the same way um because you have to stability test everything and so that is real time like the a 16-week period of stability is like what it would be in a one year of shelf life in in a store so you have to mimic that in your labs right for real. So that's time. And so finally, after iteration and formulation changes, we got it. And I was just like, I couldn't believe like that we i made that right like we got there as easy as if if you went on youtube it looks very simple to make a lipstick but making some lipsticks sometimes with more naturally derived ingredients is not as easy and then the stability part where you really want to make sure that this is um, a stable product to use sometimes like just mixing the oils and waxes and they can seep and and so there's lots of things that could happen but just the fact that we accomplished that building the 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 space that we're in and really most importantly like we get tons of emails and messages every day from whether it's indigenous youth their parents adopted parents non-indigenous people writing me an email personally to say have they grew up in maybe a really racist family um, and are so glad that they're working hard to change their views about indigenous people. And to me, that was like getting messages like that is one, someone's being really vulnerable with me and how powerful, right? That the fact that, and they're working hard to find brands that they can support to to help them on that journey. And so I I think it's, you know, incredible to see people that really want transformation. And I, I you know, I can attest to a good transformation,
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding i mean and to be to get that validation that the mission of your company is truly being felt you know by people right across the i'm sure not just the country i'm sure you get um get messages from from around the world but that that must feel really gratifying to know that not only you know people love your products of course you're working on this message of sustainability but that you really are that that message going back to that dream of the of the little girls um the little indigenous girls in your dream like knowing that you are actually helping to fight racism and to um to spread the like teachings about indigenous history and and the impact of things like the residential school system that must be really satisfying to get those messages
1: yeah it is work that feels really good and i i certainly never want to portray like i think i'm solving all the world's problems or anything because i'm definitely not that that kind of person but to get to wake up every day and do a job that you just feel great about because the work that you are doing does get to help you feel good right so it's a it's definitely a win-win
0: yeah, I I know we talked a little bit um at the beginning there about um about you overcoming um uh, addiction and and living with alcoholism, um you also as you were founding um cheekbone beauty after I believe it was after you started um, building the company, um you also had to deal with uh, losing your brother to um I believe he died by suicide right?
1: Yeah, super super painful um time for sure, but. Either, sorry, I was just going to add that it's incredible how, like, when I think back to the, those moments in those days, like, I just felt like you can't get out of bed. You're just so beside yourself with pain and sorrow. Um, and not even, you know, when someone has, uh, that kind of, a death by suicide is really hard because you're trying to understand your family member at that time. Like, you had no idea they were in this much pain. And, what, like, you, you, you want to... Go back and you think of all those things you wish you would have could have done and said, and I really didn't want to go on. I was like, I can't launch this business now like i- can't, like what is the point? You feel that way, right, and when tragic things in our lives happen, a lot of times I think our initial thing is just like like let's just give up right um but then fighting through the the pain and realizing that um throughout the process of building cheekbone beauty, I shared a lot with my brother b j and um one of our last conversations we had about it was was in May of 2016 and and he died in September of 2016. He said when I was visiting them he said he'd never heard of a brand that was really trying to support our communities and thinking of, of, of all this work that i was doing to try to make indigenous faces seen and voices heard and and brands that the our kids could relate to and he said something to me that literally runs through my head every single day because this it is very hard the work being an entrepreneur and 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 then when you start things like this sustainability journey it gets even harder um but he said jen um our youth need hope and they need help and what you are doing is going to be great and so with his words that I call like this painful companion that is his death it's also the driving force that keeps me going every single day on those really really challenging days
0: yeah and what a way to honor his memory too I'm sure he would be so proud of you and and everything that you have accomplished
1: yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I have, uh, two nephews and a niece, his children that, uh, their smiles certainly remind me of why I keep doing the work that I do as well. Like there's why the brand needs to keep going. You know, um, I want them to see that, um, that you, despite our, our all of the traumas in all of our families because trauma unfortunately is not uncommon in indigenous communities um and so for all of these indigenous kids including my family members i want them to see that okay these things can happen it is so painful but it is possible to overcome them with the help of uh you know the creator and a loving community
0: yeah, you know, generational trauma is, you know, is is challenging for you know no matter what it is in any family, but we do see um, it disproportionately affecting communities of color in particular in Canada, the Indigenous community, especially when we think about the lingering effects of uh, of the residential school system and and how you know th- that generational trauma continues to be passed down. When you think about, you know, I know you uh, You spend a lot of time um, when it comes to education. Your company donates to a lot of charities that, um, that work to help Indigenous youth. What else do you think really needs to be done when it comes to, you know, to all of us as a country to address this generational trauma?
1: Yeah, that is a really hard question. And I honestly, in most days... Some days I'm like, I feel like I just don't, I don't have the answer because there's so much it's just, it is, it's, it's truly a a big thing to really unpack, right? Like there's a lot, but I think first and foremost is maybe, you know, like those emails, I get the the recognition and, and trying to make change by supporting your local community. If you internally have feelings of hatred or dislike for a group of people because of race like those are things we need to address within ourselves and I feel like it, that has to start at home and in the family because um, I certainly don't believe it's a, a problem that I guess big organizations can solve like the reality is this is an internal issue and it all starts within ourselves and we know unfortunately some people the um, different generations had different views of things and those are slowly changing um, and so I always say it's it starts at home and in within within yourself. So if if you can do the work, uh, um and many of us had to do lots of work if I think of just my journey personally, it's it's a daily practice for me to maintain sobriety. So if there was something else I was struggling with, if if I questioned maybe the way I behaved to a certain group of people, um then I would want to address that with myself every day and really work on it. And I I don't know. I'm a I'm a big proponent to pushing love like love is like for one another like it's so powerful when you when you just do the work of trying to um Express those kinds of feelings and kindness and gratitude and like uh, it really it changes your life when you when you lead with those kinds of characteristics for sure and love is the concept of like I think we get confused with this word sometimes because of Hollywood <laughs> I'll blame them but it's not this romantic like kind of love it's like this principled love where like you're my fellow human being so I'm going to love and respect you and and guess what we might not agree on the same things about about anything but that actually doesn't mean you can't still love that person right like I don't know it's I feel like it, I, I know I can get all like super uh, Pollyanna about that stuff but I feel happier when I live in that space and so I encourage it for others
0: <laughs> I really like that that kind of different philosophical approach to to love and you know I think during this pandemic I think that it has really shifted how we see each other you know you just you don't know i mean it, you never really knew what was going on in people's homes but somehow i feel like there has been more compassion during during all of this and i think i mean we I've, i'm with you we need more of that more of that that um, approaching everyone with compassion and empathy and that sense of, you know, we don't know what you've been through and we don't know, um, we don't know where, you know, wh- where you've come from or what kind of trauma you're experiencing or what happened to you this morning before we got on this call. Um, and yeah, I, I like that. I like that taking the Hollywood element out of love and, and making it more something uh, widespread that we really just apply to everyone that we meet. Um tell me about um how you're doing through this pandemic and how the business is doing like has there been a turning point for you I know I know you said that you launched your new um product uh, the sustainable lipstick during the pandemic um how have things been going and and how is the um company being received
1: Yeah so that was a really scary time because you just we have no idea really what's what was going to happen what it meant you know there was I think so many people early on thought it would be over in like six, eight weeks, right? And um, I, I don't know. I just, I had, I, you, you get those gut feelings. I was like, no, I think this is feeling like this is much bigger than I think it is. And so just had to take the time to regroup and then pull together. And we still were just pumping out um, the orders that we had and what we could, making a, a big pivot in April. Um, in May of adding Sustain Eyes to our roster, we only really focused on lips for a really, really long time. We had contours and eyebrow product, but we didn't have any other sort of eyeshadow or eye pencil products. And so we added those and that just launched this past February and we were able to do it under our Sustain label. Um, so anything Cheekbone Sustain meets our sustainable, um, clean based on um, sephora clean standards and credo beauty clean standards which is so there's no actual regulatory body well, i'll just preface this for clean what that actually means however there's different organizations that have their standards so those are the ones that that we're following um, and then uh, being vegan which is a, an, a a true testament to society it's the kind of products they want and so we really wanted to shift our ingredients to to meet that need as well. So um, the Sustain eye products met all of those and so does the Sustain lipstick as well any other item that falls under our Sustain category. Um, And so shifting, um, then we ran into massive supply chain issues like many of the raw ingredient suppliers just completely shut down so we couldn't get any of those goods. So there were some launches that we had to cancel that we'll move into this year Um, and uh, and then July happened, and um, during BLM, we fall into the category of being a BIPOC community, and so being part of that was really um, incredible to see how many people really wanted to support brands that fell under that title. So we're grateful for all of the new customers that joined our community and followed our our social media pages and to stay connected with us and and see what we're up to. So just felt super, super grateful for that support during, during the summer. And Mm -hmm. then, um, have experienced just, you know, some continued growth because really everyone jumped online. So we were a brand that was direct to consumer from the beginning. We were ready for that. And so we certainly saw a lot more business just because that's where, everyone lives now is online. So many people shop online um, and do everything online that they never would have done pre-pandemic. So uh, I think in the digital world, they're literally saying we bumped, we moved five years ahead faster than we would have digitally um, had the pandemic not happened when it did. So That was great because we were were experiencing a lot of the growth because of those things. But that's amazing because for us as a new startup and a new brand, you know, you really want to, we have this incredible core community, but you want more people to join your community and share and wear your products. And so we're grateful that that's happened over this year.
0: You know, just in hearing you kind of summarize all of that, I mean, I, in reading about your journey and cheekbone beauty, I was able to kind of see you were a really um, ahead of your time in a lot of ways. But now that you're saying this, you know, you had this vision of uh, of really supporting Indigenous communities. You also were really ahead of your time when it comes to this direct to consumer model as well. And it, it feels like, even though I, it sounds like there have been some challenges with the uh, supply chain, like you mentioned there, but it really feels like you have really prepared well for this time and um, that this vision that you had is really coming to life now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of incredible. Um, I do some days think I feel like I need to pinch myself because it's really happening, right? And I'm in it and it's happening. And so taking the time to like pause, making more time for that as much as humanly possible um, to just appreciate how far we've come and all the things we've been able to accomplish and truly a relatively short period of time without you know we we do have funding partners now but early on there wasn't any and so um you realize the power of capital once you have it that it'll help you grow a lot faster than if you didn't have any so you know always an advocate for for supporting new businesses women-owned businesses indigenous businesses and we see that statistically those businesses don't get funded very often so really grateful that we fall uh, and found a perfect um, investment partner at the stage that we did so that we could grow and be ready for it like you sometimes you i think it's so interesting that I only know what I know now because of being in it, but realizing to grow and scale a business, um, even if your business is generating revenue and doing a healthy revenue, there's things that you need to purchase. Like think of all of those raw ingredients, um, software systems, to be supporting all of the the things that are happening. So there's so many costs that go into that. And so that's where um, capital support really helps small businesses. But yeah, really, really grateful that we're, 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 we're moving at a, and at a, at a at a great pace and able to manage it all.
0: Yeah, and I know I know you just mentioned kind of taking time or when you have time, which I'm sure is not very often because you're very busy. But taking the time to look back and and kind of reflect on on how far you've come and how much has happened in really a short amount of time because um that dream that you had the first dream uh, that led you to start Cheekbone was in 2014, so just seven years ago, um, and look at how much has happened. Um, as you kind of reflect on that time, is there a moment in your journey as an entrepreneur that you are most proud of? Hmm.
1: I, yeah, that's so hard. I just think, I don't know, the moments are getting to be a little bit bigger and more maybe celebratory, but really early on, it was just like, I thought if I could support one person on their journey of, you know, discovering their identity and being comfortable in their skin, like those were the things that really mattered early on. They still really do. So to me, those are the most powerful, um, and sharing, like, um, I've been a part of a lot of indigenous women groups and especially entrepreneurs. And so I feel like sharing each with each other of, of sort of the steps of growth and where you've gone and sort of being there to help pull people up is a really important and powerful piece of that too. I still feel like like I want to mentor more people um, and then you know I realize okay you're not fully where you need to be yet so just mentor uh, as, w- do the mentoring you can and then once you're you have more time then we can always include more mentoring in that.
0: Oh, well, anyone would be lucky to have you as a mentor, just, you know, all of your experiences. And I know you're um, you're so willing to to share them through things like this interview and um, and through speaking engagements. And I really appreciate you. And so thank you for not only sharing your story, um, but just for continuing to do your advocacy work. Um, for You're so humble. I mean, this company has become so successful. It's grown so quickly. You have no um, background in, you know, in, in being an entrepreneur. This is your first endeavor and it's going so well. Um, and I just congr- want to congratulate you on, on all of your success and to say uh, thank you for your work. And I can't wait to see what you do next
1: thank you and there's still lots of time to fail <laughs> I, just, I always say that because i tell our team i'm like let's we're just in this giant experiment. like like keep seeing if this works because i really want to i know so many places i worked that i would be afraid of making a mistake and i don't want any of them to feel that way i'd rather they get innovative and curious so anyway I, it's a just an inside joke that we say like there's still lots of time to screw this up <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what? That's a good reminder too, though. We all learn a lot from our failures. I don't think this business is going to be one of your failures at all. Uh, but I think it's a, it's, a good, it's a good message to leave us with. Don't be afraid to try new things because you never know what might happen. Uh, and you know what? If you do, if you, something does fail, you probably are going to learn something from it anyway, right? Exactly. Thank you again so much, Jen. I wish you all the best and I look forward to keeping you in touch in the future too.
1: Thank you so much. This was awesome.
0: And thank you so much to all of you who are watching and listening. I hope you will tune in next week for another episode of Turning Point. And until then, take good care of yourselves and of each other.